everyone. This is Rev Brad and the Soccer Chaplains United podcast from the Touchline. Well, I'd like to take a quick minute before we get into it today and ask, if you're a regular listener, would you mind rating us and writing a review? We'd love to see the podcast audience continue to grow. I also want to let you know that a little later this week, we're going to have a bonus podcast from a friend of mine who reads an Easter reflection that he wrote. So look for an extra episode to drop later this week. Today is known as Spy Wednesday. In the days of Holy Week, as Christians everywhere anticipate Easter Sunday, we know from the biblical account that tonight is the night when Judas agreed to sell out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Well, today on the podcast, we look at the notable difference in Judas's relationship with Jesus and relate it a little bit into football. We're back right after this. Just a little off foot, thinking he's going to go far post. Not strong enough with his right hand. Whips that one in. Far post, almost made him in, and they have. He has the hat trick. The second in his career. The third of the night. The hat trick hero. Talked about you're not going to be able to sustain that kind of pressure. To the corner. Goes towards the near post. And you're the angle, and what a goal! What a goal! I want to encourage you to go check out last year's podcast on March 31st, 2021. It's entitled Spy Wednesday Betrayal. And on that podcast, we talk more about the actions that Jesus took on the night of betrayal. For today, though, what I want to do is point out how Judas acted differently with Jesus. And it gives us a little bit of insight into the relationship between the two. We know from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26, verses 14 through 16, that Judas has already agreed to hand Jesus over. Essentially, he would act as the informant as to Jesus' whereabouts for the religious leaders who wanted Jesus dead. If we read on in Matthew 26, we read about the Last Supper, the gathering of Jesus' best friends and family as they share the Passover meal together one last time. If you're able to, follow along with me as I read Matthew chapter 26, verses 17 through 25. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him. The teacher says, My appointed time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him, one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him, but woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Jesus answered, Yes, it is you. Whoa, intense. Jesus bluntly calls out Judas. I'd be curious if this was one of those whispered moments at the party, or if Judas's betrayal was a bit more out there for others to hear and see. The first thing I want to point out is it's important for us to realize that in the Arab world, and especially in these times, the meal, the table, was a special place of intimacy. 
Sharing a meal or a table was a sign of friendship. It was a, a time of peace and rest. The, the posture, the position is relaxed. It's one of vulnerability. You're, you're at ease with those in the room. Essentially, if you eat a meal with someone, you're showing that you're a friend, not an enemy. Well, if you've ever had a meal like the one that Jesus and those gathered in the upper room that night had, there was typically bread and a bowl with herbs and spices. It was customary to dip the bread in the bowl and pass it along to your friends. It was certainly a long way from being concerned with things like COVID and the like. But what is interesting that as, as the meal begins and Jesus is reclining at the table, he says something that gets everyone a bit agitated. I tell you the truth. Someone will betray me. Imagine for a moment you've been invited to celebrate an important occasion at a friend's house. You're celebrating something in their life. And you get there, and right before everything kind of begins, the host says, uh, Hey, little announcement to make. There's actually going to be a real-life murder mystery here tonight. Jesus' words and the occasion are shaking. His friends know he's not joking around. When he says, truly, I tell you, it's like saying, this is a real deal. There's an emphasis there that's undeniable. And each disciple responds. They're sad. You know, there's been other moments when the disciples either put their foot in the mouths or they mess something up and Jesus scolds them or corrects them. And they, they kind of walk away feeling dumb and rightfully so. But it's almost like in this occasion, maybe the disciples have been a bit surprised by this. Like maybe Jesus is a little bit more serious or, or maybe it's... There's a little bit something to his tone here. And so we know from Matthew and what he accounts and what he records here is that everybody kind of ends up feeling sad. I mean, this was supposed to be not necessarily the greatest festive occasion, but it was supposed to be celebratory. They were remembering that they had been redeemed as a people, that God had saved them from slavery in Egypt. And so there was a, a note of redemption to this to this meal, this thing that they were sharing. And so not for everyone, they end up feeling sad that night and questioning themselves. And here's where I want to make the next point. <clears throat> notice that each disciple has a response. And then notice what Judas's response is. Let's, let's read verse 22 again. They were very sad and began to say to him, one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. But then we see Matthew record Judas's response a few verses later in verse 25. Verse 25, then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. And here we must take a note of important distinction. Judas sees and calls Jesus teacher, while the others call him Lord. This means something. The Greek word for Lord here is kurios. It's a high title. It means, uh, you know, one who a person or thing belongs to. It's it's giving over the, the power of deciding. It's calling someone master or Lord. It's a, it's a title of honor that kind of expresses respect and reverence. It's, it's something maybe that a servant would joyfully kind of greet their master with, like knowing that that master treats me well, I respect them, I look up to them. But Judas doesn't use kurios in his question to Jesus. He addresses him as rabbi, meaning teacher. It's a Hebrew word. Now, rabbi was still a title of honor, and there are places in scripture where it also might mean master. But I think that there's an intentional contrast here that we're seeing, and it, it has to do with that relational peace that Jesus has had in the lives of the disciples. You see the disciples, except Judas, have come to this place by now where they're ready to risk it all for Jesus. They see him as master over all. 
including their own lives. But Judas, he's not there. Judas isn't totally surrendered and bought into Jesus being master over his whole life, which is probably why he's taken steps to betray him. Now, scholars debate why Judas betrayed Jesus. It wasn't like Judas got a lot of money for selling Jesus out. He didn't receive power or a position. Some have said, you know, maybe Judas was angry and upset with Jesus, wanting him to really step forward as Messiah and start the physical, political reign of his kingdom, not just a spiritual one. We, we can't say for certain, but one thing is sure. We shouldn't turn Judas into some half-hearted hero and think, well, someone had to betray Jesus. Or to have some sort of spiritual sympathy for him and imagine, well, he just couldn't help himself. He was, he was destined to do this. There is an unfathomable mystery, a tension that we cannot understand on this side of the grave. And it happens at this intersection where God's sovereign work and human free will collide. And it's all wrapped up here in a little bit in what we see and observe of Judas. In other texts of that night, Gospel of Luke, Gospel of John, we come to know that Judas was actually possessed by Satan to go out in the night and to act out on the threat to betray Jesus. So, demon-possessed, Judas's free will, God accomplishing his plans and purposes, which is it? Or is it a little bit of all of it? It's hard to say with absolute certainty, but... I believe it'll be crystal clear. It's going to be one of those things that we see dimly right now, but later on we have clarity about. And I believe certainly that we can understand that Judas didn't let Jesus into his heart, into his life. Judas didn't let Jesus into the locus of his faith and belief. And whether he had his guard up or he let his guard down, and in some ways if his guard was down, Satan used that to somehow get at Jesus and initiate this trial, the suffering, the death on a cross. So let me relate this quickly into football. You know, I I see this happen in the game. Probably the place where it's most visible is in some of the relationships between a player and a coach or between a coach and a technical director or club president. We keep our guard up. We interpret, rightly or wrongly, someone is against us. We betray them in our hearts. We build out narratives that are negative. We, We choose not to get on board with a particular vision or direction. It's hard. Sometimes a change is more forced on us, not really our choice. Sometimes these relationships are more adversarial. There isn't a shared table or a shared meal. This is business, one might say, in professional soccer. But I've seen it differently, too. I've heard the coach endearingly called profe or the gaffer. And in those moments, I I think you get a glimpse. You can kind of understand that aside from the business of the game, aside from the business of professional football, or or we might say in spite of the business of pro football, there's relationship, there's understanding, there's a bond, a connection that maybe is more characterized by friendship, love, honor, and respect. Friend, today I can say without a doubt, Jesus would rather you call him and know him as the gaffer or profe. He would rather you call him Lord and master than simply just call him teacher. On this Wednesday, this Spy Wednesday, a question lies before you and me. Do we see Jesus merely as rabbi, as teacher, or do we see and know him as Lord? Pray with me. Lord, not everyone who calls you Lord will enter into the kingdom, and we all fall short. We are all betrayers at our depth, at our core. Now, Lord Jesus, help us to see you 
Help us to know you truly as Lord. May we unashamedly dip the bread of our lives into the bowl with you. Forgiveness for our sins and grace for our failures until we can feast again with you, Savior, friend, Master, and Lord. Amen. Well, this is Rev. Brad coming to you from the Touchline.